When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. I think this is about, hey, look, stop worrying about being the MVP. Just worry about taking the profits. I think he's just got to play with more confidence in the sense of you don't need to do everything. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos. As always, Michael, how we doing? Week number 11, we're now into the back nine of this NFL season. Thanksgiving coming up this week here as uh, we're in the month of November here. Yeah, we're doing great, Femi. I, I am in uh, the great city of Miami. I went came down here for Tua Mania. Not really. <laughs> I came down here to cast my vote for Tua for the MVP, but I, I had a great, great visit. I spoke to a group from Raymond James, uh, the investment banking firm here down here. It was tremendous at the wonderful Fountain Blue Hotel. There's They have a whole wall of Sinatra pictures. I mean, I just stared at it. It was just incredible. Everything that he did at the hotel here mm-hmm. was amazing. and. I got to speak to a bunch of great guys, football fans, but more than anything, I got to debate with somebody in their group that still thinks Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. And that was probably the most rewarding time of of the trip. The guys were tremendous, you know, Patriot fans, you know, giant fans, all that. But it was great, you know, that actually there's people still out there that think Lee Harvey acted alone. So it was great. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the Tua fans down there are wondering what you're saying oh, about man. all the Tua stuff and the MVP. I know you want to give MVP to Tyreek Hill and all that. So it's uh, the, the, the Dolphins are definitely the toast of the town at 7-3, and three, leading the AFC East in that division. But, Mike, let's yeah. start in the AFC East, though, because you're in Miami where the weather's all nice. How about Buffalo? I know you've been tracking this story. It's been all yeah. over the news this week. Potential thunder snow is what they're calling it in the Buffalo area coming Friday and Saturday. Adam Schefter tweeted earlier this morning saying that forecast calling for three to six feet of snow by Sunday in Buffalo. Last time snow forced the NFL to move a game out of Buffalo was 2014 when the Jets and Bills played on Monday night in Detroit here. Now there's talk about maybe moving this game to Detroit once again uh, this upcoming weekend, but man, if they end up playing this game in Buffalo here, it's going to be a snow globe out there in Western New York. I don't see how they're going to play it. I mean, first of all, logistically, how do you get the, I mean, unless the Browns leave way before the snow, Right. And then you, there's no guarantee that you could actually play the game once it starts snowing. Nobody's going to be able to actually get to the game with the roads. I mean, one thing when you live in Cleveland, like I have twice, you, you learn about lake effect snow. Not that I'm a meteorologist or anything, <laughs> but you learn about lake effect snow and it can come heavy and it comes hard. I mean, it, 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 it really is devastating. And so there's a lot of problems that come with that storm you know power lines go down because of all the the heaviness of the snow and and it just should be a problem i mean i could think it would make sense 
for Buffalo to go to Detroit to play the game there uh, because they play Thanksgiving Day. You know, they have a game Thanksgiving Day. So, and the, the Lions are playing over at the Meadowlands, so the, the stadium is empty. And I'm sure Buffalo fans can get over to Detroit with mine getting out of the snow. And I think Cleveland fans can get to Detroit rather quickly. I mean, it is the Lake Erie. It's the Great Lakes battle. We can move it around. But I don't see how they play it. I really don't. And, you know, I, it'd be interesting if they move the venue, Femi. I would like, because you're more of a, a betting expert than I am. Do you think they take the game off the board when they bet it and then reset it again? Because right now the under is at that ridiculously low number, and it won't stay that way. Yeah, what happens is that they will void all the tickets that have been bet on this game, so everybody will get their money back. They take the game off of the board, and they'll remake the line. This happened last year, week one, with that Packers-Saints game all throughout the summer. People bet in that game, then they moved it to Jacksonville after the hurricane there in New Orleans. So all the tickets were void, and it's almost like a, it's a new game since we have a new venue. Yeah. So uh, everybody will get their money back. But you mentioned it; the NFL it was going to take this all the way up until Friday to make a decision on whether they want to move this game to Detroit or keep it in Buffalo. And obviously our thoughts with everybody out there in Western New York, like this, I mean, like we're talking about this in a jovial way because we're talking about football and all that stuff. But I mean, this is a serious snowstorm that's going to hit Friday and Saturday. So everybody on that area definitely stay safe. And if you don't have to be on the roads, please stay home. Stay there. And that's the thing. You don't want people out on the road. That's why to me, the league's, the league's got to move the game. I mean, you know, I know football was meant to be played in all kinds of weather, but we're talking about this could cause fatalities in terms of mm-hmm. people actually trying to leave their house. And and gosh knows, you know, you could get stuck on a road with all this snow. Yeah. And when you've been around lake effect snow, it doesn't come down slowly. It, it hits you hard. So I, I think to me, you know, I think the real issue is what do they do with the if, – if, if they weren't playing on Thursday, I think they would move the game to Monday for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I think they would give it time to clear up the snow and get everything situated, play the game in Buffalo on Monday. But because they have to play Thursday, you know, I think they've got to move the game. They play the Lions on Thursday in Buff in yep. Detroit. Yep. They're they're at the Lions Thursday on Thanksgiving. I mean, it only makes sense to send the team to Buffalo to send the team to Detroit Friday, get them there, and then unfortunately they're gonna to have to be away from their families, but play two games in Detroit. Yeah, man. Obviously, the trip from Cleveland to Detroit, not very far as well. So it would make sense for both teams if that's the call that they end up making. But on the football field, though, Michael, Josh Allen was limited in practice on Wednesday. It appears that he should be good to go this week and actually have a full week of practice after last week uh, only being limited on Friday and leading all the way up into the game being a game time decision here. We spoke about this on Monday. You said Allen's turnovers have become an issue here for the Bills. How do they rein him in, and who does that decision like? Who does who makes that call to tell Josh, "Hey, man, like you gotta stop with the kind of the YOLO turnovers that we've seen over the past couple of weeks." You know the turnovers when you really watch them, Femi, they're unforced errors. They're not like they're turnovers that he's just not reading the coverage. They're turnovers where he's out of the pocket and he's trying to do something that he shouldn't do. I mean, they're really, you know, one thing when you when you break down tennis matches, you know, they, they, they talk about unforced errors, forced errors. And a lot of these interceptions that quarterbacks throw are forced errors, you know, that, you know, the ball, they're trying to get rid of the ball that because of the pressure coming and they throw it too early or, you know, like the Dak Prescott interception in Green Bay, you know, C.D. Lamb doesn't doesn't break over and reroute the route. It doesn't redirect the route. You know, there's always something when you watch the interception, you could say, okay, here, it it may look like it's the fault of the quarterback, but it was receiver. These are unforced errors where he's trying to make plays that aren't there. He's trying to play outside of himself. And it's been happening since the first game of the year in the, the Rams. I mean, that game shouldn't have been as close as it was had he not turned the ball over in that game. So 
I think this is about, hey, look, stop worrying about being the MVP. Just worry about taking the profits. Like, we'll punt the ball. We have a really good defense. We'll punt it. We'll stay in the game. We're not going to blow anybody out in the first quarter. Like, that's the key is we're not taking the game over. And I think he's just got to play with more confidence in the sense of you don't need to do everything. And in a game where it's going to be a snowstorm, uh, I think that's kind of going to be the message that's sent out from yeah, I don't, I, You know, I don't think it's going to be a snowstorm. I, I just don't see the practicalities of them playing mm-hmm. in Buffalo. It makes no sense. And so I think, to me, this game goes to Detroit, and then it's on a faster track. I think the bigger issue for Buffalo is who's going to – you know, Milano's – everybody was on that injury report yesterday that I looked at. And that's a concern because they need their defensive guys to be able to slow down this run game of Cleveland, especially if it's in perfect conditions in the in, in Lions in, in Ford Field. Yeah, I know Jordan Poyer, he returned to practice in limited fashion, but he's got that jacked up elbow. Uh, so he's dealing with that. But Milano illness is why he didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, looking at the injury report, Trey, Tremont Edmonds also didn't practice with a groin and a heel. So if they're banged up in that linebacker group with Nick Chubb rolling to town or if the game is played in Detroit, it's going to be tough to stop that run game of the Cleveland Browns because that's how Cleveland has to stay into this game. But, Michael, Cleveland also, the big news out of there was that they got their quarterback back on the practice field. And not Jacoby Brissett that we're talking about. We're talking about Deshaun Watson. I haven't spoke about him on the podcast here in a while, serving that 11-game suspension. But the two weeks before he's able to come back, able to practice with the Browns here and he is expected to start when they take on the Houston Texans in a couple weeks in week 13. Uh, How do you kind of manage this if you're the coaching staff of the Cleveland Browns? Because you clearly probably want to get Watson up to speed and get him some reps, but you still have to play two games with Jacoby Brissett as your starting quarterback. So is Watson just scout team or how do you go about kind of getting him back involved in the offense? Well, I think you're definitely going to be scout team. And could there be a better scout team to prepare you for Buffalo than, than Deshaun Watson running around back there? You know, he's not as physical as as Allen, but he's fast and he can throw the ball like Allen. So it gives you a great look. But you're going to have to give him some reps, you know, in practice. You're going to have to take some time after practice to get him kind of inundated with the receivers and get comfortable with Cooper, get comfortable with, with all the players on the team. So, you know, it's been a while, but I think these two weeks will certainly help them. And, you know, I think ultimately they won't change what they do offensively. I think Stefanski's running. He'll be more bootlegs, I'm sure. There'll be more quarterback runs. I'll be interested to see if Stefanski goes more into that six-back attack when Watson comes back. You know, it's not really there with Brissett because even though Brissett's a big guy and can move, he doesn't really involve himself in the run game. Mm -hmm. But to me, Watson can. And I think that to me, that could give this Brown team a little bit more explosiveness that they need. You know, if they do move the game into Detroit, you know, the happiest guy is going to be in the, in the world, Amari Cooper, because he hates cold weather. He hates cold weather. <laughs> I mean, I bet Amari's over there praying like crazy. Come on, let's go to Detroit. Commissioner, move it to Detroit. Hey, he loves those fast surfaces. Now he's no longer an AT&T stadium with the Dallas Cowboys. But anytime they had to go to Washington or Philadelphia, it was late in the year. Uh, I can attest to somebody who's watched a lot of Amari Cooper plays, not the best wide receiver in the cold weather and on oh, those slow surfaces. He, I mean, it makes no bones about it either. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying stuff that, that, that I'm making it up. Like, he don't like it. It's true. Yeah. No, I mean, we all watch the games there uh, with Amari Cooper there. But uh, real quick, Michael, before we get out of here, we saw three impactful players go on to injured reserve this week, one of them being Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup goes on IR Shaq Leonard, season-ending IR with the back injury. He's been dealing with that all season. Then from Monday night, 
The Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard, who we had in the blue chip category this offseason, has played pretty well there for Fly. Eagles Fly on the IR for the shoulder injury. Which one do you think is most impactful going forward this season? Well, I mean, Shaq Leonard, you know, I mean, he wasn't playing good. He was trying to play through the injury, and it's probably the best thing for his career. He needs to get healthy because he really wasn't helping their team when he actually mm-hmm. tried to play. So that, that, that's a, that one's a no loss for the Colts there. Because the the Shaq Leonard they were getting wasn't the Shaq Leonard we all know. Yeah. You know, Cooper Cup, to me, you know, I think that really affects them because they have really nobody that can make a play. I mean, their longest play in the game was, I think, 18 yards against the Cardinals last week. They couldn't make a play. I mean, now I know John Wolford was playing quarterback, but I'm surprised to see that Sean McVay said if if uh, that Matthew Stafford's going to play. I mean, it was funny. Last night I got back from the speech and I turned on the TV just to kind of flip the channels before mm-hmm. I went to sleep. And and I watched the have you seen the HBO Arizona in season? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I have it on the DVR. Knock. I have it on the DVR. I haven't gotten to it yet. You, you, you need to watch it. It was kind of interesting. So it, it was a great scene after the game. Colt McCoy goes over to Sean McVay, who looks like he's just it looks like he had a double uh, a root canal surgery a- along with a, a- along with a uh, y- you know a-, a prostate exam. I mean, he just looked really bad, right? So, <laughs> you know, and and Colt McCoy's like this really, you know, Eddie, you know, Eddie Cleaver. Oh, he's so happy, you know. And then he goes and tells mm-hmm. he tells McVay, you know, hey, Aaron Donald didn't make a play the whole game, and I mean, you could just see McVay's face. Like, I really, I don't want to hear that shit. I know I just lost. You don't have to rub it in, but. <laughs> You know, just looking at his face and looking at his body language, you know, I, I'm surprised that 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 he's going to let Stafford come back and play. I'm surprised Stafford wants to really come back mm-hmm. and play. You know, to me, that that team was it, it's just on the on the wrong side. Now, maybe if Stafford comes back, but without Cooper Cup, where are we throwing the football? Can Allen Robinson take over? Can Von, Van Jefferson come back? I mean, those are really hard. They can't run the ball. You know, and I know they're mm-hmm. playing the Saints this week, and the Saints weren't very good last week, but. The Saints, you know, this is now or never for the Saints. This is one of those custard last stand games for the Saints. So uh, I, I just thought it was was really interesting, that interaction between him and Colt. The whole thing with the, with the team was interesting with the Cardinals. I, I thought it really was because you could just see in this, when you watch it, you could just see the Cardinal players gravitate towards Colt McCoy. You could see it. Mm. Well, I'll have to go do some investigating when I want to. Watch this in-season hard knocks with the Arizona Cardinals. But, Michael, let's take our first break here on the episode. And when we come back, we'll talk Thursday night football. Mike Vrabel versus Matt LaFleur. How fun could this be on Amazon Prime? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, let's get to Thursday night football. Lambeau Field under the lights. Tennessee Titans taking on the Green Bay Packers. Right now at our show sponsor, DraftKings Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites, total sitting at 41, expecting some frigid temps out there at the frozen tundra, but it should be a fun game in primetime. You know, can we give Big Daddy a little love here? I mean, he demanded the Amari, uh, the, the, <laughs> Amari, the Rogers. Amari Rogers cut, and it happened. I mean, like, well, he's you know, pulling the strings. <laughs> I mean, you clearly, guys, running the operation. I mean, he's coming to remodel my bathroom, and he's also going to run the Packers. I mean, you got to love the guy. I mean, he can do so. Much. And by the way, if you have any Knickerbocker questions, Big Daddy's right on top oh. of that. <laughs> Right on top of that. He can go through the whole Phil Jackson thing. I mean, he was sending me texts after Rodgers got cut. Do you realize we traded up to get Rodgers? Like, he's got every draft pick that Gooch has given away for the player. It's hilarious, you know. So, and I told him, I said, rest comfortably. Matt LaFleur slept in the office. I will say this, though. I went back. I watched the game tape yesterday here of the Packer-Cowboy game. I thought that was LaFleur's best game plan that he's had all year. I thought he finally did things that that I've been asking him to do for the last nine weeks. Rodgers was under center. They were in more than just 11 personnel. They tried to run different running schemes, different concepts in the run game, and still have their ability. They had some throws, you know, that were really more like runs than they were throws. But I got to give him credit. As hard as I am on him, I thought that was the best he's been in terms of attacking a team where they were vulnerable the most. And, and and it came out with a win. Now, he's got to do it again this week because when you watch Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee had every – they knew everything what, what the Denver was going to do. I mean, Denver's offense, Tennessee was just all over it. They, it was almost like they knew the play before the play was coming. And even without five starters on their defense, even without Jeffrey Simmons up front, this Denver offensive line, which played a bunch of backups, couldn't block them. So it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee, without backups, handles this. You know, I think David Long, we gave him a, I think we gave him a red chip this summer. He's mm-hmm. everything we said about that guy. He's a really good player. But I don't know how Tennessee can keep winning as ugly as they keep winning, Femi. It's really kind of remarkable. You watch the Denver tape and you're like, where, where did they make a play? You know, how do they win a game? And they just do. You saw the flea flicker was the deciding play in that game there. Tannehill hit uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine there for the touchdown, and that was all she wrote. But I'm curious, though, on the Green Bay side, because you said that it was LaFleur's best game plan against Dallas. Tennessee is a little more stout against the run. Now, they don't have the high-end pass rush that Dallas has, but they're more stout against the run. So do you expect this game tonight to be more of a Rodgers passing game, or do they still try to go with the two-back system with Jones and Dillon? I, I think they got some confidence with Watson, right? You know, early in that game, he dropped a pass on a third down. And I thought, you know, he's in, but he, they kind of Watson got some confidence, you know? And so I, I do think there's going to have to be some throws they make. And this, this Tennessee secondary isn't a lead. It's, you got to be able to block them up front. You know, they're going to play zone behind it. You got to be able to block them. And they do a really good job of taking away what you want to do. I think if you would ask Russell Wilson last week, he, I don't think he felt like there were backups in that line. He got the crap beat out of them. 
And on the last drive of the game, I mean, he really got the crap beat out of mm-hmm. him. And if it wasn't for the offside, I mean, they're in a fourth and eight, uh, a fourth and thirteen, and and they get and they're off. They got called offside again. Uh, they got called like offside about three or four times. Be interesting to see. They they try to gain the line of scrimmage with their defensive front. Be interesting to see if this officiating crew tonight calls it. But uh, you know, I, I just think to me that's going to be the key of the game. Can Green Bay block them? You know, and Green Bay's got some guys in their offensive line. Bakari might not play. They got some guys that are hurt. So. I think if you get into a 40-pass game against Tennessee, the way they rush, no matter who's playing, it's going to be hard. It sounds like Jeffrey Simmons should be good to go in this game. Bud Dupree is out once again this week. But uh, who do you think wins this game tonight? You know, I mean, look, I, I think it's going to be a three-point game. I hate to go against Vrabel because I think it's going to really show up. Mm-hmm. Last week, they won without Derrick Henry running the football. Now, the flea flicker was Henry because they all played it, and the guys, the two, two receivers fell down. The two corners fell down, so yeah. you know they kind of got away with it a little bit. But I, I just don't see how Tennessee, with this offensive line, can do enough to win the game. I, I mean, they're always going to be in low score. They have to be in low scoring games because they're just not explosive offensively. Even when Henry makes a big play, like he did against mm-hmm. the Chiefs, I think it's going to be hard. Tannehill wasn't a hundred percent last week. You know, I think the unders in play, and I, and I would lean towards the Packers here. Yeah, I took the points with the Titans because it was three and a half, and I was like, hey, I'm getting Mike Vrabel at more than a field goal in a close game. Yeah, Yeah, I I think it's three now, right? uh, DraftKings has it at three and a half, but other places have three. Yeah, I would take the three and a half with Tennessee. I do think Green Bay will win, but I would would never give up the half point with Vrabel. No. Because he's just really – he'll manage this game. I mean, look, the way he managed that game against uh, Kansas City is remarkable, and Tannehill should be a little bit better. Although Tannehill, you know, he's only got three days to get ready for this team for this mm-hmm. game, so it isn't like he's got a whole, you know, hit that. How he played last week is kind of be how he's going to play this week. Yeah, uh, Tannehill was able to participate fully in practice this week, so maybe he's feeling a little bit better because he didn't look good against Denver with that banged up ankle there, Michael. But let's take another quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about. Some buy or sell on some teams that are hovering around the playoff bubble here in the NFL. This is the GM Shuffle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Michael, let's play a little buy or sell playoff edition now that we're heading into week number 11. And we have some teams in the AFC that are hovering around that playoff bubble. These are teams who are in the wild card mix. And let's start with the AFC East. The Jets and the Bills sitting at 6-3. and three. The New England Patriots are at 5-4. and four. Are you buying or selling these teams to make the playoffs? You know, I, I think this weekend's going to say a lot. You know, that line between the Jets and the Patriots is is re, is going between three and a half and three. It, it, I think this is going to be a really this is going to determine who you take. And, and I'm not trying to avoid the answer here, but to me, this game sets up perfectly for the Jets because they played so poorly in the first game. They but they. They dominated them. They dominated the Patriots' offense. I mean, the Patriots scored six points in the game without even getting a first down. They got two field goals only because of Zach Wilson turning the ball over. This is a huge game for the Jets. And I think the Jets, frankly, if you get the Jets at three and a half, I think you got to take it. You know, I think at three, you got to look differently. It's going to be interesting to see what New England has done in the bye week. 
what they've done with their offense. Instead of running just a bunch of plays, are they going to put together an offense that kind of is cohesive and tight to where they actually have a, have a way of doing it? And Mac Jones has got to be able to protect the football. Remember, this game came down to a, a, a personal foul rough in the pass where yeah. he throws a pick six, which was the right call. I mean, Jet mm-hmm. fans can complain all they want. It was the right call. But, you know, that, that's the margin in the game. And so as bad as New England played, and as bad as the Jet play, it really came down to that play. So, you know, I probably leaned, I'm leaning towards the Jets here mm. in the game because I've seen no evidence that this Patriot deep offense is going to turn around. So you think the Jets uh, then are playoff bound this season? You know, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I think to me, I think when you look at the Jets, first of all, the East, can they are they going to give three teams in the East? I think Miami is going to be, I know the Jets have beaten Miami, and but Miami's beaten, uh, Miami has beaten Buffalo, mm-hmm. you know, so, and they've beaten New England. So I, I think a lot of it's going to tell. I would say Miami and Buffalo from the East for me. I don't think there's three coming from the East. Yeah, M- Miami and Buffalo to me feel safe. The Bills, I know they're on this list because they've lost two in a row, but I, I think that's a little bit too much of panic. Yeah. They're Buffalo, they're going to get into the playoffs, barring any sort of injuries there. Uh, what do you think of the Bengals and the Chargers? And let's start with the Chargers because we're going to see them on Sunday night against the Chiefs, sitting at 5-4, and four, buying or selling L.A. making the playoffs. Well, I mean, they're not healthy. So, like, this week I'm shocked. The line opened at 7. It's down to 5.5 on the Chiefs. You know, and, and is it because they played the 49ers so well? I mean, I think the Chiefs are playing well. I really do. I think they're playing well. They kind of have a, a pretty good rhythm going to what they're doing, even though they're, you know, they got Tony going last week in their passing game, which gives them another weapon. I think they're going to keep utilizing him. And I don't think the Chargers are good enough offensively, uh, defensively to match them. So I'm surprised this line has come way down like this. You know, I love Herbert, but it's hard when you don't have Mike Williams to throw the ball to. It's hard when you don't have Keenan Allen to throw the ball. They've got a lot of injuries on this Charger team. So I, I wouldn't be buying the Chargers at all. I, 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 we actually all thought that there might be three teams from the West. I don't think that's the case. I think now that you think about it, there might be three teams from the East, which would put new, the winner of the New England Jet game, to me, clearly in the driver's seat for that third spot. Yeah, that's a massive game, this Jets-Patriots game, to see who could be that third team from the East. Uh, You mentioned, though, the Chargers. There's some growing optimism that both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen might be able to play this weekend. Both practice in limited fashion on Wednesday. We'll see what happens once we get to Friday and into the weekend. Don't you think that line moved because they think he's going to play? I mean, that to me is the only reason why this line would move. It's a a bet on those guys playing this game. And then also on the Kansas City side, we saw Juju Smith-Schuster leave last game with the concussion. Then also uh, Mikkel Hardman, who missed last week's game. He didn't practice on Wednesday as well. So there's some optimism with the Chargers wide receivers and some pessimism with the Chiefs wide receivers. So that's kind of working in concert to drive that line from seven to five and a half where it currently sits right now. What about Cincinnati, though? They're five and four. They're missing their best receiver in Jamar Chase. They think they might be able to get him back next week. But are you buying the Bengals as a playoff team? I am because I think they're still really good on defense. You know, I'm surprised this line with Pittsburgh's only four. I really am. I thought this would be, you know, I had this as a six-point line in my notes in my breakdown of the game. I, I'm kind of surprised by that. I, I think they've actually played well. You know, they found a running game against Carolina. Uh, again, Carolina did not play run defense that day at all very well. So they found a running game against them. But I think they're ultimately, you know, they've got some balance. I mean, this Pittsburgh team was remarkable that, that New Orleans, what, they gained 170 yards on them last week. It was ridiculous. I, I think they'll play well against Pittsburgh. They're rested you know, coming off the Thursday game. And, and I, I do like Cincinnati's team, especially defensively. I think that they're good. 
enough to be a playoff team defensively. And they'll be a hard out if they get there. And when they get chased back, that'll make them a better team. Yeah, I think when Cincinnati gets to the playoffs, they're going to be a difficult team to deal with. There, they're just they've had all these weird things that are going injuries. Joe Burrow started the season rough because he had the appendectomy thing going on. Now Minka Fitzpatrick has that with Pittsburgh. So I, I think once they actually can get into a groove with all their pieces together, I think they could be a tough outcome postseason time. In the NFC, though, Michael, we'll start with the NFC East. Yeah. Cowboys are at six and three. Giants are at seven and two. Are you buying and selling that we get three teams from the NFC East yeah. into the playoffs? I think there's no doubt. We're, well, we're not. We're only going to get one from the South, right? So we're got to get three from here. You know, I think the the question is Green Bay, Minnesota's going to get in, right? And and it's going to come down to Seattle, Green Bay. It's going to come down to those. Do we get two from the West or two from the North? I think that's what we're looking at. I don't see the Cardinals. You know, uh, when I watched that show the other night, you know, they had a lot of conversations. You know, the Cardinals, they just do or die for them. This is their season on the line in that game. And obviously this week against uh, against San Francisco, it's back again on the season on the line, whether Murray plays or not. But I don't see them as a legitimate playoff team at all. And, uh, you know, I think in Seattle, in spite of their loss over in Germany, I think that they're still a good team. So I think it's Green Bay or Seattle for that seventh spot. But I think you're getting three from the East. I really do. I think we're both in lockstep with getting three from the East. But is there a chance that we could get four? The Washington Commanders last Monday night, they beat the Eagles. They gave Philadelphia their loss. I know you're in Miami, so you're not there to see how Philly fans are, are reacting oh, I, to the I, loss. I heard how Philly, <laughs> you heard? Philly I, I mean, I, what I really like, okay, let me say this to you. I think to me, I, my respect for Seriano, Sirianni jumped tremendously because, you know, the Philly media, the, the day after the game, they all came out and said they got robbed on the calls, and that's why they lost the game. Mm. Like, seriously. Like, there's about 17 games every week that you can watch that somebody got robbed on a call. You, we can go through yeah. chapter and verse, right? Yeah. Like, it's it, like everybody, there's bad calls in every game. Like, it just didn't happen to Philadelphia. And so the media in Philly's like, oh, we got robbed. And Sirianni's like, that's bullshit, man. We played horrible. They did. You know, they got punched in the mouth. They couldn't stop them on third down. And, you know, even though Washington didn't make an explosive play, they kept running the ball, running the ball at them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now they got to sign Limbill Joseph. They lost their two defensive tackles. I mean, they're a little bit wounded right now. And for me, Washington, if they're a legitimate playoff team, if they're a legitimate playoff team, they go into Houston and win that game and cover the three number. Like, yeah. they should go down there and kick ass. But do you trust them to? No. I don't. I <laughs> no. don't trust them at all. <laughs> I could see them. Ex like, I don't trust them. I didn't trust them to win the game Monday night. Like, I think if Brendan Graham doesn't get the call, which I think was a legitimate call, the guy mm -hmm. led with his head. Like, I, I don't think they get back in it. And so, like, you know, and, and the thing for Philly was it's the first time they turned up. I mean, they had three turnovers going into the game all year. They had four in one game. It's crazy. So, you know, to me, I, I just think to me, I don't trust Washington. They better beat Houston. Have you seen their schedule before the bye? I mean, the, their schedule would lead you to believe there could be four teams from the East. Yeah. I mean, the East, it's going to be a war between them and the Giants. I mean, they also play the Cowboys. They host them in the final week of the season. But they get Atlanta after the Houston Texans. At New York, I think it could be a very pivotal game. If they're able to steal that one against the Giants in Week 13, then I think we could talk about this Commanders team as a potential playoff team. But up until that point, yeah. I think we got to just leave them off to the side and we'll see uh, what happens come up in these next them. few weeks. Yeah, I don't trust them really either there. Uh, and also, on the, on the Philly note there, 
they, they miss our guy Jordan Davis. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, they do. They, they miss I think our they guy. Do. They, they do, and I, and I think to me that that they haven't. I think the one untold untold story about Philly, Sweat's really good. They get some pressure. They haven't gotten the pressure that you would think they would get, especially against a good line. You know, I, I don't think they're rushing. The, one of the one of the categories that they're really low in. The only category that they're low in on my nineteen that I go over is sacks per per, per pass play, and and that's going to hurt them. And I think if you're if you're an Eagle fan and the way Washington attacked you on Monday night. That sets up perfectly for what San Francisco wants to do. I mean, that's a San Francisco. Only San Francisco can do it much better than Washington did. They'll make more explosive plays doing it in the running game. And so you're going to have to figure this out. I thought Gannon was really conservative on, on Monday yeah. night. I thought he, he went back to the Gannon from last year. He didn't really get after it. And Heineke, the reason I think you have to really not trust Washington, as good as Heineke is and what he brings to the team, he makes too many dumb mistakes with the football that cost them games. 17-7 against the Minnesota Vikings. They got a chance to win that game, you know, and then he throws the ball. And he's always going to be high on throws over the middle. What, what people don't realize, when you're a little quarterback and you can't see, that depth perception down the field forces you to throw the ball higher and you end up misjudging where you need to put the ball and you're prone to interceptions in the middle of the field. That's why Drew Brees was so good at sliding and being able to see the, the alley down there. But when you are short and you have to throw over tall people, you tend to overthrow those balls right into the safeties in the back end. I think that's a really good point there. We see that with a lot of quarterbacks who are a little bit smaller. Uh, finally, Michael, in the NFC, Bucks sitting at 5-5. Five and five. They lead in the NFC South. Niners at 5-4, and four, a half game back from Seattle in the NFC West. Are you buying and selling these teams that we all thought were contenders heading into this season as playoff teams? I'm going to buy San Francisco for sure. I think that San Francisco's when they when they go good on defense and they're healthy, they're good. Uh, and I think they're going to even be better on offense. I think I'm going. I would definitely buy Tampa as the best team in the South. Yeah. You know, only because I don't think I don't I don't think Atlanta can. I mean, Atlanta's a home dog this week to Chicago. You know, uh, I mean, I, that's pretty tempting, Fem, because I think Atlanta does a good job of covering. Chicago's not a very good de- defensive team at all. I know they have the MVP of the league. You know, are you on that uh, on that MVP for Justin Fields? <laughs> campaign that's being started by the worldwide leader i won't mention who's starting that campaign i know who you're talking about (laughs) i i I can't even like i can you imagine that he's actually that that they gave him a platform for that it's like LaShawn mccoy coming out and ripping belichick like seriously LaShawn, how many super bowls have you won how many times have you won anything like seriously like you know people just give some facts give some credibility to what you're saying like, did all of a sudden they just won six games, six Super Bowls, and he's a shitty coach? Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. Sometimes they just let these guys say stuff that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, I don't understand how you do it. Like, bring some facts to it. Like, bring some substance to it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they, you know, they say, well, the Raiders are, are, you know, I wrote about this for Visa. The Raiders are a poorly coached team. They're no good. The Raiders, the Raiders have had two winning seasons since 2002. Okay. The Raiders have have uh, their starting quarterback has is thirty nine and seventy seven in his in his career as a starter. He's got thirty nine wins. You you start one hundred and thirty six games, you got thirty nine fifty nine wins and and seventy seven. You usually don't stay that long. They've got draft picks. Go back and look at the two thousand and nineteen draft. You know, Ruggs is is in prison, right? Arnett's not in the league. You know, the only other two players who aren't playing, poor Jeff Gladney got killed in that car accident, right? And so he's not playing. And Isaiah Wilson, the kid from Tennessee, never even played in the league. 
every other and every other team has their player has the first round pick on their team. They don't have two of them. So like like where I'm not, I'm not defending my kid here, and I'm not defending my friend Josh McDaniel. I'm saying, look, if you think that team's a great team talent wise, oh my god, you got something. To, you're crazy. And for the record, that 2019 draft, Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram. Farrell is a healthy scratch. Well, no, Abram's on the, the Packers. The, and it's, Yeah, well, no, I was talking about the draft that they got Arnett and Ruggs. Yeah, 2020. 20, yeah, 2020 draft. That's yep. the draft yeah. I was talking about. But, that's, but those okay, are five first-round picks right there. They're, five, they're not even, they're not even <laughs> making a contribution. Yeah. I mean, Farrell, Farrell he, you know, he doesn't even, you know, he misses whatever he did. I don't know what the hell he did, but, you know, it's not that important to him to be there. So like, and they say, well, we had nobody to pick. And so we had to pick Farrell. Like, that's not really a reason. Devin white was still on the board. Like you don't want Devin white. Like if you put Devin white on, on the Raiders, are they a better defense? I think so. Let's take a final break here, Michael. We'll get to Sunday slate on the other side. Got some good games to discuss here on the GM shuffle. All right, Michael, let's get to Sunday's slate here in week number 11, starting with the Bears and the Falcons. Falcons, three-and-a-half-point favorites over at DraftKings, total sitting at 49. Talked a little bit about this game, but uh, how do you see this one playing out in the ATL? Oh, I, I thought Chicago was the favorite here. No, I kind of misjudged yeah, that. No, no the Falcons yeah. are laying three-and-a-half. Yep, three-and-a-half. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the Falcons are three-and-a-half points better than anybody, but you know they had 10 days to rest. And look, I think the more you see fields and what they're trying to do on offense with, with tape, the more you kind of have can come up with a little bit better game plan and try to force him to throw the football. I mean, the problem when you go back and watch the game, did you see the did you see the Lions game last week? Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of did, that. Yeah. Did you see the, the 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 defensive contact penalty that they called on the lion on the foul, on the Bears that yeah. cost them? I mean, the guy the guy was basically if I were going to show a defensive back a clinic tape to jam a guy at the line of scrimmage, that would be the tape I would show. And some and the official called the penalty on the interception. I mean, the game's over, right? The game's over. I mean, the, all these guys that are sitting there touting their chest saying, oh, we, we, we love the Lions in that game. You might want to think about that play and that bad call before you start t- sticking your chest out. I love all these guys that pick games and stick their chest out because they, you know, they win when they're lucky. Like, I, like I'll be honest with you. Like, what game was it that I got luckier and shit? Oh, it was the, no, the, uh. There was one game that should never have covered, but it did. You know, and you were just you're just you were on the wrong side. Like there's to me, I think when you handicap games for a living, you got to be really honest with yourself. I was right. I was I was wrong. My handicap was wrong. Like you can't really because if you're 57 percent correct, you're going to be great. I mean, Billy Walters, the greatest sports better in the history of the game was 58 percent. So you're going to be wrong. You just got to be honest with yourself on the handicap. So, I mean, to me, I, I, that worries me. Atlanta's defense is horrible. They got to run the football. They can run it on Chicago. Do they have enough weapons? I, I would lean towards Chicago taking the three and a half. I don't love it at all. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, the game I was lucky on last week was the Chargers plus the points there. I had no business covering that. And, hey, won it, but that's, that's the NFL sometimes when you bet on it. Browns-Bills, we talked about this earlier on in the podcast, and we don't know where this game is going to be played we think it might be Detroit. It could still possibly be Buffalo. If this game, Michael, is played in Detroit, uh, how do you see this one playing out, and how does that change how you think about this game? Well, I think they're going to throw the hell out of the ball against this bad Brown secondary. I mean, I think, think to me on a fast track with perfect weather, I think you'll see Buffalo's offense really be dynamic and get back. I think Josh Allen is probably going to play his best games coming up. I mean, this happened to him last year. You know, they lose the win game in New England with New England in a bad weather game. 
you know, and then he came back and really started to play and got his focus back and they stopped turning the ball over. I would lay the points and take the bills here. If it's in Detroit, I wouldn't touch it. If it's in Buffalo with the weather, because God only knows, like I, I heard somebody say that, well, you, know, you got to favor Cleveland because they can run the ball. Did anybody watch Buffalo's offense with, with Josh Allen? He runs the ball. Like he get what do you have a hundred yards rushing last week? Like, they're gonna he's gonna run the ball too. Mm-hmm. Actually, that game favors him in the snow because he's big. He can hold the, he can hold the football. He can throw it through any element, right? And then they can run it out of their spread stuff. Just because it snows doesn't mean you're gonna get into two tight ends and two backs and try to run goal line offense. You're gonna spread it out, right? You know the snow's gonna go with you. Like it's just sometimes it makes snow angels out there. Like <laughs> sometimes I don't get this whole whole nonsense. But anyway, I, I would I, if it's in Detroit, I'd be all over Buffalo. And Cleveland's run defense isn't really good. We saw Miami run it all up and down their throat uh, last week in their Eagles and the Colts. The Colts are seven-point underdogs at home in Indianapolis, total sitting oh, at 44. I thought it went down to six and a half. Did it go back to seven? Some places six and a half. DraftKings uh, has seven. Actually, I'm seeing seven pretty much across the board except for a select couple yeah, of Yeah, it touched six and a half during the week, and I think mm-hmm. it went back up to seven. Look, I, I think it – you know, people talk about, you know, we were talking about in the last block about the Colts and the Raiders, how they suck. Does anybody realize that the Colts beat the Chiefs at home this year? Does anybody realize that? Like nobody, you know, like the Colts are not some poor sisters of the fucking uh, of the West here. You know, like <laughs> they actually they actually they piss some games away and Matt Ryan's not been healthy. You know, I, I think it's going to be interesting what Seriani does going back with his friend Frank Wright getting fired. Um I think to me, you've got to take the Eagles' offense and keep them on the sideline. I would lean towards taking the Eagles here. I think the Eagles' offense is too fast yeah. for them. I think they'll play well on on offense. I think they'll throw the ball. Now, I think you got to monitor where's AJ Brown, where they are health wise. The Dallas Goddard injury does affect them, but I do think the Eagles will, will will play a better game this week than they did last week. I'd be surprised if they didn't cover. Yeah, I laid six and a half with Philadelphia. I think they can get a lead, and then Matt Ryan, he's not mobile like Taylor Heineke is. He's a little bit more of a statue, and I still need that Colts offensive line to prove to me that they can protect against a pretty good front there. Um, Let's get to the Jets and the Patriots. This one, probably the biggest game from a playoff implication standpoint this weekend. New England at DraftKings, three and a half point favorites, total sitting at 38. You know, I think you got to take the Jets in the the hook here. I think it's going to be a field goal game. The weather's not going to be a factor. It's going to be 44 degrees in New England. You know, you're unsure about Mac Jones and the New England offense. I think the one thing we learned last week watching the Jets is they're not going to let Zach Wilson participate in this game. A lot of easy throws. They're going to try to run the ball. You know, they're going to feel like, hey, if we punt it and keep this game, you know, within our control, Mm -hmm. you know, we got a chance. Corey Davis isn't going to play it in practice yesterday. So that hurts the Jets a little bit. But I think to me, that's the way I would look at this. I would take the hook in the Jets. I think the Jets have got to play, got to be a low scoring game like they played in Denver, you know, where they can get control, come down to the final seconds and don't let Zach Wilson beat them and see if they can run the football. And, you know, for New England, it's going to be don't make mistakes. Go out there and just try to play the best you can. Uh, New England hasn't played well at home, though, Femi. I mean, they lose to Buffalo. Yeah. At, they lose to Baltimore at home. They've lost to Chicago at home. You know, they haven't played. They what? They beat Detroit at home, you know, but they haven't really played well, and they beat Indianapolis at home. So this is a huge game for them to get going back on track. I think that hook is significant, you know, and I would take the hook in the Jets. 
Yeah. Uh, I think if it's three and a half, it's a look at the Jets. At three, I bet New England because I think that they're going to win the game. So oftentimes games land three. Hopefully, worst case scenario, I can push. Maybe they win by four and I'll be able to win. But uh, I, just, I just like with a, with a week to prepare or two weeks to prepare, Bill Belichick against Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's going to have to prove it to me that he can go ahead and yeah. win that game. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But I think to me, it's I, I think that the Jets, what they did last week was they said, look, we're not letting this guy fucking kill us. Yeah. You know? And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they run him a little bit. Watch what Justin Fields did in that game. I wouldn't be surprised if I was at the Jets and I was talking to Mike LaFleur. I said, look, we got to get him involved in the run game a little bit just to make them think he's going to run it. That'll open up the run game for our team, for Robinson and for, you know, and for the other kid, that, the other back. So I, I think for sure we got to do that. Let's get to the afternoon portion of Sunday's slate. Raiders three-point underdogs in Denver to take on the Broncos. Total 41 here. This is a, a couple of coaches under fire in McDaniels and Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson. That offense has looked putrid. How do you see this one shaking out? Well, so let's go through it, right? So it's, it's, it's good. It's, the Raiders' strength is their offense. That's good versus the Broncos' strength, which is their defense. So it's good versus good, and it's bad versus bad. The Denver offense versus the the bad Raider defense. So the most points Denver scored all year was against the Raiders with 23, right? The Raiders are the team that scored the most points against Denver with 32. So to me, you know, that's where it's going to come down to. I think you got to lean. I mean, for whatever you think of Denver's offense, don't move the ball on a on a Raider defense that I don't think they have. I mean, they're look at their secondary. Yeah. Look who's starting. I don't know if Perryman's going to be back. They're injury wise, you know, but that they've got to be able to play better defense. They haven't. They haven't played very good. They're 32nd in the league in red zone defense. That's what kills the Raiders more than anything. I think, to me, this is a field goal game. I think the Raiders will move the ball. They did the first game. They ran Josh Jacobs on them. But I think you got to play Denver here because I think Denver, this will be the first time Denver, since they played the last time, Denver's offense will play well. I just, I, I can't lay points with Nathaniel Hackett. I just, I can't. Well, I don't think, I think it's really, you know, you're, you're saying, what you have to decide in this game is what, who's the better good? Because both yeah. bads are going to be bad, right? So <laughs> is the Raider offense better than the Denver defense? I mean, you know, for, you know, for all this talk that the Raiders are poorly coached, they're the only team that put points on the board against. I mean, Denver plays everybody and doesn't, and they, what they give up, they score 32 against them. Mm hmm. That'll be a fun game out there in the Rocky Mountains. A really fun game. I'll have my eyes on this one in the Twin Cities. Dallas Cowboys, one-and-a-half-point road favorites against the 8-1 and one Minnesota Vikings. Total sitting at 47-and-a-half. Michael, how do you see this one shaking out? Well, they're just teasing you. to t they, they, they just <laughs> no respect at all for Minnesota. I mean, they, they, they make them play with 12 guys on the field last week. I mean, they have, nobody has any goddamn respect for this team. It's horrible, you know? I mean, I have Minnesota should be the favorite in this game. Like, their numbers, for me, are better. You know, and the book just loves the, the Cowboys. I, I don't understand why they're getting so disrespected, especially when you go into that environment. I mean, there's one thing when you play in Minnesota. It's another thing when you play Minnesota when they're really playing good. The mm -hmm. volume will go up, you know, and if Dak turns the ball over like he did last week or if they don't protect the football, you know, no, I think they'll play better defensively. There's no doubt. Parsons on that carpet, you yeah. know, will rush. I think I think it's a close game. I, I if I had to take the game, I would take Dallas. But to me, I, I think Minnesota should be the favorite. Minnesota, they have not gotten the respect from the betting market. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when they were hosting the Cardinals off the bye. 
only three and a half point favorites. You said that you sh- you made your number six. The, the betting markets, they're not respecting what Minnesota's doing. Seven straight one-score victories for the Vikings. So maybe we see some of that close game magic kind of regress uh, towards the negative here in that game. I think it's going to be a fun game out there in the Twin Cities. Finally, Michael, Chiefs Chargers Sunday night football in Los Angeles at DraftKings now. Kansas City six-point favorite. So we're starting to see it tick back up a little bit. Total sitting at 51. I'm going to take KC if I know Williams and, uh, and Allen aren't playing. But I will say this. Williams and Allen give the Chiefs corners more trouble than anybody. Mm-hmm. And they can move the ball on them. And they will move the ball on, on Spagnola. They do a good job against Spagnola's defense, the, the Chargers' offense. I have no faith that the Chargers' defense can stop Patrick Mahomes. But I do think at six, if Allen and, and, if Allen and Williams play, I think you got to take the Chargers as a, as a dog at home. Yeah, that's the bet that I made. I bet plus seven thinking that one of them is going to come back, hopefully both of those guys. And I think it'd be a really fun game out there in the AFC West. A chance for the Chiefs to really grab a stranglehold of this division if they get this Oh, they got it. Yeah, they they got it. Yep, yeah. they got it. There's no doubt. There's nobody. There's. I mean, all the teams that we thought were going to be good haven't been very good. And all the quarterbacks that we thought were going to play well in the West. Remember, we said this summer that it was a quarterback division. Mm-hmm. Carr. Right, we had Carr in the top ten. We had Russell as you know off the injury, and then we had Herbert, a, a blue chip player. None of them, including Herbert, have played to that level other than Mahomes. Yeah, if they get a victory on Sunday, it'll be a four game lead over the rest of the division. That's going to be pretty wild there in the AFC West. Michael, that does it for us here on this edition of the GM Shuffle. Thank you to DraftKings and Veasan as always. Thank you to our producer Stephen Bond with us on the ones and twos, and thank you to you guys, the listeners, the viewers. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you on Monday as we recap. I can't wait, Femi, and thank you to Raymond James. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. Safe travels back. All right, thanks. Bye bye.